episode four of Billions is over, but we are just getting started here on Post Show Recaps. That's right. It's the Billions podcast here in the Succession feed on Post Show Recaps, where we are breaking down the Showtime series seventh and final season episode by episode. Uh, I'm Josh Wiggler. Today, we're talking about season seven, episode four. Hurricane Rosie. It is a it is a very important weather event, so I'm very thrilled, delighted. Al Roker could not join us on this podcast, unfortunately. He was too busy. We have the next best thing. She's learned everything she's ever known about the weather from Al Roker, mm-hmm. his disciple herself, the great Jessica Sterling with the weather. Jess. Oh my gosh, we have high winds coming in <laughs> from the south. <laughs> Yeah, the Southern District of New York, there is a tornado. His name is Hurricane Chuck. Uh, Wow, Jess, uh, last week on Billions, uh, if you listened to the podcast, if you didn't watch the show, but if you did watch the show, you know this too, uh, you would know that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar appeared on Billions last week. This week, showing up in a very meaningful cameo capacity... Al motherfracking Roker showing up here on Billions. Just in case you need to know what kind of show this is. I feel like it is important along the way to just be observing all of the signposts that tell you, yes, this is what a Billions show is. A Billions show has Al Roker showing up and filling one of our crooked like anti-heroes with the exact right info for him to crookedly save the day. Uh, Unbelievably ridiculous. So fun. I love this show so much, Jess. I was beside myself when Al (laughs) Roker showed up on my screen. I was like, are you kidding right now? Now, I mean, now they've just set me up so that every single week I'm going to be anticipating who the next cameo will be. Yes. Um, Incredible. Just absolutely stellar. And just Salt Bay, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Al Roker. What do these three have in common? They've appeared on Billions. Billions. They've all appeared on Billions. So I cannot wait to find out who is going to be on Billions next. Should we end every episode by making a prediction for who the next week's Billions cameo is? That would be fun. Would be fun because like what if one of us gets it right at some point? Then we're uh, geniuses. Then we're geniuses. Should we put uh, any bets on the line? A steak or potato? Ooh. I don't know. That's, <laughs> that's, that's more of an only murders thing. That's an only murders bet. This is the billions bets. This is the billions podcast. We're talking about billions each week in brief, keeping them tight here on the podcast. Make sure you're subscribed. You can go to postshowrecaps.com slash billions is the RSS link. When you search by URL on your podcast player of choice, that's postshowrecaps.com slash billions. You can also just search postshowrecaps billions. You'll find us that way. We are tucked into the succession feed here on Post Show Recaps as this Billions podcast comes your way via our obsession with succession and our inability to let go of horrible fictional rich people. Uh, (laughs) So make sure you're subscribed. You'll never miss an episode. If you want to watch these episodes on video, you can do so by going to postyourrecaps.com slash YouTube, subscribing to our YouTube channel. We are doing these as video. It's very fun. We hope that you're into it. Uh, We would love to have you here. We unfortunately do not have like an actual weather map in the background, though maybe we could work (laughs) on that as a 
stretch goal. I mean, that. listen, there's another connection between billions and succession is the touch screen. The, the touch, touch screen. screen isn't working. The touch screen is not working right now, unfortunately, <laughs> but the video is working. So if you want to check it out, posterrecaps.com slash YouTube. And then if you really like what you hear, you could support the podcast directly with your hard earned dollars. We're not asking for billions. We're asking for a lot less than that. If you want to be a patron of Posha Recaps, patreon.com slash post show recaps is the way okay so it's the fourth episode of the final season of billions jess hurricane rosie what went down give us the quick plot recap batten down the hatches hey that's my podcast (laughs) we are heading into a category five storm of a billions episode Hurricane Rosie is on the way, and she's threatening to cost MPC a lot of money in catastrophe holdings. Unbeknownst to Prince, he is flying straight into the eye of the storm by lending his private jet to a fugitive on the run. Chuck tells Prince to either give up the fugitive, Kai Wong Lu, or give up his presidential run. Living up to his name as The Buck, Prince refuses to give up his campaign and surrenders Lou with a promise to Lou's father that he will be pardoned and they will do some great commercial business together once he's in the Oval Office. As in, like, are they going to film commercials together? Like, is this going to be like they're just going to be on TV? I would love that. I mean, Prince feels like he would love to be on a commercial. I don't know that Prince would be great on a commercial, but I think he would love to be on one. Too stiff, I think. Yes, I think Uh, so too. Chuck is pleased enough knowing that Prince is now aware that his every move is being watched. In a continuation of Prince's no good, very bad day, his campaign manager, Bradford Luke, forces him to back out of allowing Scooter to conduct the Philharmonic Orchestra because his voters see classical music as well. Kitty cat music? Uh, Scooter is disappointed, but understands this comes with his job of being Prince's right-hand man. Unfortunately for Prince, he still has Wendy and Wags undermining him and plotting his demise. Wags, not so subtly, gets the Cat 5 storm lowered to a Cat 4 to save Prince money in an obvious attempt to set him up as a selfish Wall Street billionaire. Wags gets a slap on the wrist and a warning from Wendy that they have to work together. Wendy, on the other hand, begins her therapy journey with Dr. Mayer and reveals that in her attempt to stop Mike Prince from ruining the world, her NPC colleagues will be casualties. Dr. Mayer recognizes the conflict of interest and quickly refers all of those patients out so she can focus on helping Wendy, believing her plight to be of the utmost importance. We leave this episode with a few questions. Will Prince crushing Scooter's dreams come back to haunt him? Does Wendy like like Bradford Luke? Who is the next cameo after Al freaking Roker? Are any of the Billions cast members on cameo is another question that I have. Let's do a quick search here to see if the Billions cast is on cameo. Uh, Because if they are, uh, and depending on who it is, uh, I feel like... uh, I feel like Axe, no? He feels like Bobby Axe feels like the... No way. Um, No, is he too famous? So, no, I've... uh, I know. I swear we'll talk about the episode, but part of this is like billions <laughs> culture, right? Like this is sort of like a billion shit show podcast. You know what I learned this week, Jess? Yeah. Uh, this popped up on my Instagram reels uh, this past week. Okay. Damian Lewis is like on mother effing tour, like a disgusting brother doing music. He is like an He's album. A singer? He's he's like a he's like a Bruce Springsteen style like folk rock musician no right now way. who's on tour. Uh, all of his Instagram activity is him and his music. 
which I guess makes sense. Bobby Axelrod himself was like a huge heavy metal guy. (laughs) Um, But this is much more like the boss. Uh, And you should check it out. Uh, It's like some of it's like, you know, like passably good. Uh, And then others is like, I can't wait to have you back on Billions as Bobby Axelrod. This is uh, wild. Wild. News. Absolutely wild. Um, My second guess would be Wags would be the other one. I would say maybe he's on Cameo. So when you when you search for Billions yep. on Cameo, uh, coming in at $200 for a Cameo with a 24-hour turnaround. This is an actor who is still on Billions uh is not one of the actors we have mentioned so far i will give you two more guesses okay two hundred dollars two hundred dollars is it dollar bill it's dollar bill (laughs) it requires two hundred dollar bills to book kelly o'coin on cameo with a 24 hour quick turnaround absolutely incredible uh, only dollar bill can we expense that i have to ask whoever <laughs> runs the poster recaps budget uh if we are able to mm. expense a dollar bill cameo um all right so uh we are talking about uh should we be placing bets on cameos jess but one of the things that is happening this week on billions is the culture at mike prince capital being uh you know giving us a good case of the ick uh if it's like if you forget that even like uh like your ben kims of the world are like gross individuals we're taking like action on hurricane damage here in this episode as in the fictional universe of billions a terrible hurricane hurricane rosie a category five hurricane by rights if not by classification is roaring into the universe uh and everyone at mike prince capital they're taking bets on whether it's going to be a category four a category five is the weatherman going to be blown over by the weather and we're not talking about al roker and it's really filthy. It's very, very shitty behavior. It's disgusting. And the only thing that even remotely makes them feel bad about doing any of this is when they discover that if it does turn out to be a Category 5, uh, NPC has a lot to lose in Catastrophe yeah. Bonds because Mike Prince, you know, they're going to basically, as soon as you hit Category 5, they're going to be using those funds that Mike Prince has to pay for a lot of this damage. And it's it's really sick. And of yes. course, what WAGS does is absolutely despicable because that leaves all of these people who've lost their homes, who've lost their lives, who've like lost everything. They don't have the money because there's no one coming in to help. Right. Um, obviously, it ends up being that like Mike Prince looks yet again like somewhat of a hero because he steps in. He gets the National Guard of, uh, I think, his home state, right, to yeah. go down there and help out and he's using his own funds to do so so he looks great when he does all of this but it's really sick it's absolutely disgusting yeah especially when you know your little greglet in in <laughs> in ben kim is yeah. also in on the action tuck of course wins like 10 grand from dollar bill so yeah yeah it's so it's all it's all gross so wags is going to the way that he's going to pull this off uh wags is going to go to the gym And he knows that at the gym where his honey works, uh, there too is Al Roker. Al Roker works out at this same gym. And Al Roker and Wags 
are clearly like buddies or at least familiar they know each, with other. each other. They know each other decently well. Al Roker greets him as Wagsy. Uh, so he's like, <laughs> he's very pleased to see Wags. This is another great thing that Billions does. Like they've had like celebrity chefs, like all these people on the shows. And these people are always, when they come onto the shows, like really like always painted as like friends with the super wealthy elite. Right. Um, like, uh, gosh, there was, there was somebody else who even showed up this season who I'm blanking on right now. But like every time that one of the, Mark Cuban was on the show this season, yep. was yep. he not? So He's like, been on multiple seasons. Every time these characters show up, like they're connected to the billionaire side of things where like everything else on the show clearly paints these billionaire characters. It's just like ruthlessly bad and bad and bad. Yep. And yet they're all buddy, buddy. And like these people are still like, I love billionaires so much i want to be in that like i don't know how much it's a tone deaf thing versus they're just cool to be in on the joke either way al roker and wags and we've seen wags do so many heinous things are tight and through talking with al roker wags basically finds out that the distinction of how to classify hurricane categories comes down to a person like yep. agencies and ultimately a person yeah. a bribable movable person who could be moved with the spirit of money and yeah, bureaucracy is not empirical yes and so wags is going to do that wags is going to set up the person chiefly responsible with the categorization with uh enough money for their retirement for a charity all of this stuff and it's going to knock down from a category five to a category four and as you observe jess it's going to come at the expense of lives. It's going to come at the expense of like people's lives are utterly going to be ruined yeah. as a result of this thing. We're going to come to find out that Wags is doing this because he wants to make Mike Prince look bad. He wants yeah. it to look bad for Mike Prince. Wags has not given up the quest of dethroning Mike Prince and recognizing that, yeah, this guy sucks and this guy would be very bad for the world. And so this is why he wants to get it done. But it's this very Machiavellian way that he wants to get this done, Jess. He wants to get this done by any means necessary. And he's made the calculus that, okay, the lives of the many are greater than the lives of the few. It's the trolley problem that we yes. hear about in this episode. The trolley problem, as, it's, as Wag sees it, is on one track, there's everybody in the hurricane's path. On the other track, there is literally everybody else on Earth. We're going to have to plow the train through the people in the path of the hurricane. And it's not great, but you see where Wags is coming from, from that standpoint. Yeah. And it's ultimately going to come down to Wendy later on, where she's like, you're not like, I see what you're doing. You're not going up against dumb people. You're going up against like very capable people. You're going up against people who will fire you, who will fire you over a maneuver like this and still somehow be able to make it look like the train running over the people in the, in the eye of the hurricane wasn't their fault. So if you're going to do this wagsy, as Al Roker might say, you got to do it with discipline. You got to do it smart. By the end of the episode, Wags is on board, but we do get to see like Wags try and take some shots at Prince in this episode. Yeah, Wags is not known for his subtlety. No. And Wendy knows people, and more importantly, she knows Wags. And so she's able with a very keen eye to realize this wasn't Wags being impulsive. This wasn't him not thinking things through. It's just that he 
did this without people backing him up. He did this without the help of Taylor, without the help of Wendy, uh, who would have told him this is a really short-sighted move to make yeah. because they're going to know immediately that it was you. They're going to try to fire you. It seems like, I mean, Wendy was in the room with Scooter and uh, Mike Prince when they were discussing like what to do with Wag. So luckily she has his back. She's able to kind of save him from being fired. Because she's blended in. Like when you're in those scenes at the place that was formerly Axe Cap, like you, Wendy never really gives up the game that she is all the way out on Mike Prince. Right. Like, yeah. She has, so like, it's- like she's like wearing like, uh, she's exactly where she needs to be. Like she's like, no, I've got your back, all this stuff. So he's still in her, she's still in her circle. Like she's not, um, she's, as far as we yeah. know, uh, on anybody's radar as like a disruptive agent of chaos. No, she's much better at faking it than Wags is. And I really love that, that when he approaches Wags at the end, it's like, listen, we got to do this together. It's going to be messy. Like a clean kill can turn very messy. Don't get yourself fired. Like you need discipline in yeah. order for us to make this happen. And it's got to be uh, murder on the Orient Express. Like, yeah. it's, like as, uh, at the risk of spoiling murder at the Orient Express. <laughs> All of us have to be wielding the knife. Like, if we don't all kill Prince together, Prince isn't going to die. Yeah, and I think this is going to be very tricky for Wendy to navigate because while Taylor and Wendy, I feel like, have kind of a similar way of maneuvering and that they can be more subtle and can be very, very strategic. Yeah. Wags is much less subtle, much less clean. He's messy. And so like having him as an ally while helpful at times, because he knows people he's willing to do the dirty work. um, You have to make sure that everybody has the same point of view on like what the ultimate goal is and how to achieve that goal. And Wags just has a very, very different way of operating. So that's a really fun and interesting thing that I'm looking forward to this season is like how they're going to cooperate in taking down Mike Prince, because I feel like the Wendy has kind of taken Bobby Axelrod's position as being the caretaker for Wags in a way of like keeping him in line in a way that Bobby did before. Yeah. But Bobby really was really good at it. And I think Wendy struggles a little bit with kind of keeping Wags in line because she's juggling so many other things at the moment alongside this like need to seek counsel from Dr. Mayer on like, I don't even, I just, I need to take down my prints, but I also need to work on myself as well. So let's talk through Wendy going to Dr. Mayer. Uh, So Wendy had last week found out that all of her clients, essentially all of her colleagues at Mike Prince Capital were seeing another therapist. And that is the Dr. Mayer character. Uh, And Wendy herself followed that line, followed that trail all the way to Dr. Mayer. And it resulted in, okay, I think the two of us should be seeing each other. Uh, Like, uh, I'm not interested in being your performance coach. She tells Wendy, I will be your therapist. So she goes for therapy. And in this episode, they're starting to really dig into it. And as they're starting to really dig into it, uh, Wendy is open uh, in the way that is like very difficult for anyone in the process to be like, so open about here is this horrible very big secret uh of what i'm um what what's weighing me down right now it's not just like i'm i'm worried about not being like a worthy performance coach and i'm wondering why i'm here and all this stuff it's that i have this unique vantage point into this terrible thing that's coming and i feel like there's something i can do about it and that's horrifying uh and it's like 
it's the it's the fabled adult in the room is what we're hearing about Jess. Like, well, I'm the adult in the room. Don't worry. I've got this little baby man managed over here. And we're seeing that being um, played out in the form of Wendy Rhodes, that she's the adult in the room at Mike Prince Capitol as Mike Prince is gearing up to run for president. And she is going to talk about this with Dr. Mayor of like, I know the man. He's dangerous. It will be very, 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 very bad for all of us if he wins the presidency. And in order to take him down, I'm going to have to do a lot of damage. I'm going to have to harm a lot of the people that I care about, a lot of the people at uh, Mike Prince Capitol. And immediately, Dr. Mayer calls it. She's like, well, I think that's got to be it. Because uh, ethically, you're talking about hurting my clients. I don't think I can see you anymore. This is so fascinating because it isn't until Wendy goes back to basically say goodbye to Dr. Mayer that Dr. Mayer, Dr. Then Mayer says, had called her back. Yeah. Yeah. She's just like, listen, you know, uh, it's really hard to like cancel people who are, you know, actively dealing with other people. She talks about this man who like counseled those who lost like army vets who lost people in battle and how like he just quit the army and church after five sessions and then that like that was it you know but she feels like the work that wendy needs done is more important than like those other clients that she has could seek counsel with other people and be fine ben kim is gonna do just fine with the next guy you yeah. know like- <laughs> that she feels like she is the person to help wendy and i think this dynamic is gonna be so fascinating to watch because they're like two sides of the same coin in a way they're both really really excellent at what they do but what they do kind of conflicts with one another where wendy is very self-interested and she yeah she is a cog in the machine of like let's help you make more money versus yeah. dr mayor who is let's help you fix yourself let's help you feel better about yourself yeah so, but I, I think it's even like less let's help you feel better about yourself and more like it actually is in many ways turning into uh performance coaching uh yeah. because she's basically saying to wendy like the rest of these clients the ben kims of the world they can get help elsewhere if what you're saying is true and i have measured you to be a reasonable person if what you're saying is true then if i don't send the ben kims of the world to the next therapist and if i don't engage in this with you and get you ready for what you need to do because you are uniquely situated to do what you need to do then it's going to be horrible for the ben kims of the world because it is again the trolley problem so this is the i mean this episode could have been called the trolley problem for sure definitely Uh, yeah and it's it's really interesting because dr mayer feels like someone who is very above board very ethical um has a moral compass a very strong moral compass so i think it's interesting to see maybe her roll around in the mud a bit this season i think that'll be fascinating to watch but my big question that i was like very interested in and i'm not sure if i'm reading the subtleties of i mean billions is hardly ever subtle but like Uh sometimes it can be when wendy brings up bradford uh, luke she says like i don't want him to be hurt he's going to be collateral damage and all of this and she's like quote unquote like blushing i was like okay are we looking at like a bit of a romance situation here let me tell you something god i hope not but i do (laughs) think that that's what was being said okay i'm making sure i'm not i do think so i mean like she says there's a guy there who has a lot of his career riding on the wave of Mike Prince's success. 
and he's a young hot shot. And if this works out for him, uh, then he is going to ride that wave and have a great meteoric uh, professional, uh, you know, surgeons. Uh, and I'm going to hurt this guy. And Dr. Mayer is like, well, you're flushed. So let's start with him. Let's talk about him. Yeah. And like we have seen scenes of Wendy and Bradford Luke together. I have not like really read chemistry between the two of them. No. But what I will say is they do have a bit of a back and forth because they have a difference of opinion. Yes, yes. a repartee. Yes. And I will say on most shows and oftentimes billions, the people that are romantically linked are at odds. Yes. And so it doesn't surprise me necessarily that this is a thing they're kind of setting up. Sure. But at the same point in time, I don't need it. Well, I don't know that I need it. But also, I don't know that like the romantic sexual tension chemistry thing is working uh like let me just say like i just don't really see it especially because it took her saying oh you're flushed for me to be like oh is that yes exactly like i was not even a little bit picking up on that at all until it was in the script of the show uh so i'm not super here for i think bradford luke has been like a very compelling character and i also feel very badly for him if his career is about to tank while at the same time, if he really is as good as he says, then maybe he would have the measure of Mike Prince to be like, no, I don't think so. Like, yeah, you can win, but just winning is not good enough. Like winning with a bad guy is not good enough. So like, I don't know that I'm going to feel super bad for Bradford Luke if his whole thing. And by the way, he just showed up on my show. So I'm not rooting for him. Uh, like, yeah. if, if, it's, if, I, if I'm rooting for Wendy and Wags or I'm rooting for Bradford Luke, I'm rooting for Wendy and Wags. It's, Wendy. Oh, okay. Wait. Not no, romantic. not to get together. Good God. No, Thank no. God. Okay. <laughs> Shoot. Thank God. Um, Although I no, think I, that Wags would have been into some of like the the dominatrix stuff from oh, uh, yeah. from Chuck Rhodes and yeah, Wendy's yeah. relationship way back in the day. Yeah, I think with uh, gosh, specifically with Bradford Luke, I think the problem is because he works for Mike Prince. Like you don't really want to root for him because he feels kind of icky, especially yeah. when he is. Basically, he is the one who says to Mike Prince, Scooter cannot and will not do this, uh, conduct uh, the, or- the Philharmonic Orchestra because it's like, because your voters don't like classical music. That's basically the reason why he's not allowed. And to see, and I'm not even the biggest Scooter fan. Like, he's great. He's fine. He was heartbroken. This, this man has very dreamed sad. of this moment for his entire life. Yeah, this is very sad. So, like, Scooter has apparently just been, like, classical music man for his entire life and he is uh, it's like this like side hobby of his this yeah. passion of his and mike prince is setting it up so that scooter can have this really prestigious moment in the sun that he never even dared to dream about uh and when everything that happens with the hurricane and everything that happens with this fugitive on the run which we'll talk about as well this uh uh uh, this international incident, I forget what was the the more the, the pain in the balls, I think, is uh, how Bradford Luke <laughs> framed it. Uh, yeah. a, a little more to the point, an international incident um, that once that gets resolved and everything gets resolved, Bradford Luke is going to have the moment. And by the way, you can't just call him Bradford. You, you have, have to, to call him Bradford Luke. Have He's to a call him Bradford kind of Luke. I just want to yeah. be very, very clear that he is a full name guy um, that Bradford Luke is going to tell Prince, listen, uh, you have to like, I know it's a pain in the butt. I know like it's exhausting to have to think about like every possible angle. This is the job you have picked. It's going to be worse when you are in the Oval Office. And immediately Mike gets the subtext and he gets up and he goes and he tells Scooter, you can't do it. And Scooter says, 
I know you gave me the dream. Uh, and Mike's like, you don't have to be so gracious about this. Uh, and Scooter says, was it a good day for you? Then it was a good day for me. And hold on to this baton until the time comes because he's going to be able to do it once he's in the White House. Um, this is like, gosh, what a what a great analog for like all of the flunkies who are willing to just completely tie their fortunes and their destiny yeah. to like one single ship, crash or burn, this sort of like fanatical devotion to a charismatic figure. Stop me if you've heard that one, Jess. Uh, and like, so Scooter, I authentically believe him that he in this very beaten down way believes that this is true. He's like, if it's a good day for you, it's a good day for me. That is such like a hollowed out husk of a person uh, yeah. to, to be that way. Uh, and I think that probably I would bet if we're taking side actions here, Jess, mm -hmm. that the ultimate arc for Scooter will be turning against Prince in some capacity. That's what I was kind of wondering if they At were least starting to what set I up hope. here. It's what I hope for I him. I don't know, because I, I would take that action simply because I feel like he will be tempted to flip on Prince, but maybe at the last right. second choose not to because he is a loyal guy. He's a loyal soldier. He, he If we're using him as like the WAGS equivalent, right? right? WAGS was super loyal to Bobby Axelrod. And I don't know if all of this is enough for sure to turn on Mike Prince. Yeah. Some of these people are just going to go down and some of these people just don't get to have happy endings. Like some of these people yeah. are going to get booked. You know, some of these people are going to get indicted and thrown in jail uh, because yep. they couldn't flee the ship. And I think that there is a world where Scooter's going to be that guy. Uh, like you can feel bad for Scooter. Like again, like to, to, you know, ring the succession bell of the magic of that show is making you feel empathy for these people. You should not feel any amount of empathy for Billions yeah. is more fun than Succession, I think, is not an unfair assessment of the show. I think it's just it's like, like a wackier. More, sure. It's wackier. It's got like a, you know, like there's like a, a little bit more of like the rock star quality to Billions. So like you're in like you're in with Wags, you're in with Wendy, you're in with these people. And I think like even Scooter, you would like to see it it work out or for him to find some sort of like backbone here along the mm -hmm. way. Um, I don't know that we're going to get it. I think that he may just be like his character's purpose ultimately will be the avatar of what did they call it? Uh, like the, the sin eater, right? Like this is sort of what uh, Kendall Roy once told Tom Wamsgams about the people who eat shit and don't report it up to the top. Uh, and that ultimately being certain characters in that conversation that didn't realize that they were that character in that conversation. I think like mm -hmm. Scooter might be a sin eater. He's just going to eat the sin for Mike Prince and he's yep. going to go belly up at a certain point. And we can be sad about that and we can hope for it to go another way and that he can join the Avengers and have like a last minute betrayal of Thanos. I'm not so sure we're going to get that last minute betrayal of Thanos. Yeah, it's they're certainly setting something up, but it's yeah, it's questionable as to whether or not Scooter will actually act on it. Um, but Mike Prince doesn't even just have domestic issues like the hurricane. He also has, like you said, the foreign issue of he lent his private jet like it's no big deal. Like he literally gave someone a pen in class. Like, here you go. You can borrow this. And what he didn't know was that it wasn't his uh, his friend yeah. who was taking the, the jet, but his friend's son, who is a fugitive. Yes. Uh, and so he finds all of this out 
when the FAA tells Prince to ground the plane, there's an arrest warrant for the passenger. Chuck is all involved in all of this, of course, because he, this is like so despicable. The way that Carl finds out about this, this is like, you know, one of Chuck's right hand men, basically they go to a gambling addicts anonymous meeting And he meets this guy who lets him know about this like big time scammer. Yes. Uh, and that's how they find out about this guy. Um, but yeah, it this is really interesting because we kind of get a little bit of like Kate versus Chuck. Yep. Um, where Kate is certainly someone who is a big player in terms of knowing how Chuck operates, knowing his moves before he makes them. She's really familiar. She worked for him for years, but knowing how he operates and Chuck basically says, listen, we're cards up here. Look at my, uh, not my, I want to say murder board because I've been watching too much only murder. Sure, yeah, but, but it is uh, their murder board. Yeah, look at my murder board. Uh, this is what my plan is. You're going to see me coming from miles away. And Kate is still on Prince's side. You know, they're, they're trying to figure out how to, like, have their cake and eat it too they don't want to burn the bridge with lou by arresting his son but they also can't be dealing with looking terrible from in front of the american public by not landing this plane prince ultimately kind of gets both when he calls up lou's father and says hey when i'm in office we're gonna have a great relationship with taipei and your son will be pardoned if he's even still in jail at that point um, don't worry about it. He makes a big show of it. In Huge front of proclamation. Reporters. He calls in the press. Yes, everything. Uh, and so like he's, you know, he's doing his whole big billionaire swagger thing. He's got the money to back this whole thing up and he's playing the game in this way. And like Chuck's victory is he struck close to the bone, right? Like he cut nerve. And frankly, Mike was uh, if if he had worse counsel, Jess, like if he had uh, less competent people that he was surrounded by, he might have done something that got him in extraordinary amounts of trouble. Yeah, he wanted to just have the plane fly around for a while. And like Kate, obviously, we all know Kate is like BSing here, but she's like, oh, there's a huge storm. Haven't you heard? They need to find a safe place to land. Like we're just taking our time finding a spot to land. But Chuck got what he wanted because he says, now Prince knows I am watching him like a hawk. And it is going to be really difficult for him to run a campaign, a presidential campaign with my eyes on him. Um, So Prince seemingly gets out mostly unscathed because, like I said before, he does call in the National Guard. So, like, he's kind of covering all his bases in terms of domestic and foreign issues. But I think the problem is... While he's dealing with all of these outside factors, these outside things coming to harm him, harm him the call is coming from inside the building. Call coming from inside the house. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Wags and Wendy are against him. And Scooter, while seemingly not terribly upset about the whole conductor thing, we know this is his dream. So, like, certainly he's hurt some relationships there. Um, he He's... There's too many fires for him to put out at this point. And I I think that's where he's going to slip up and just miss that Wendy and Wags are completely against him. So let me add this. I mean, we know that Taylor also is potentially part of that Wags and Wendy coalition. Um, We have not seen a ton from Taylor, which again is disappointing, disappointing, but we still got time. There's 12 episodes here in season seven. So we've got a good amount of time left on the clock. That can change. Um, But so far, they're not doing a ton on the show, but they were part of the London squad. So Taylor could be on team, you know, get rid of Mike Prince. And we thought about that a little bit and like, gosh, that could get really awkward between them and Philip. 
uh, as the right. two of them are essentially supposed to be running this place as a unit in lockstep. And Philip's got a lot of reason to be loyal to Mike. Uh, and uh, especially because he is Scooter's nephew, right? Like right. he is related to Scooter. Well, Philip was so excited for Scooter. He was going to like call family. He was going to fly them yeah. in on his dime, all this stuff. Now he's going to find out that that's not happening for Scooter. Uh, not that that is going to be like the single only thing that causes the Phillips of the world to rise up and turn against a Mike Prince. But why was that scene in the episode, I guess, is my question, right? Yes. Like, why is this scene of Philip going to Scooter and saying, I'm so proud of you? Is it just there to underline how sad this is going to be for Scooter? Maybe. Totally possible that that's literally it, that that's really going to be the only utility of it. Another possible utility is this would be another person to go up against Mike Prince alongside Wendy and Wags and Taylor. And if Philip's on board, not to say that, like, Philip is like that end all be all player. He's not like necessarily like the one Avenger you have to pull out of retirement in order to get this thing done. He's not like Tony Stark with the key mm -hmm. to figuring out time travel, but he's an important player and he is like a central pillar. And that just further rocks the foundations of this place. And what it also does, it gives Scooter a difficult choice to make. Right. Uh, who is Scooter loyal to at the end of the day? Mike or Philip. Uh, and he so, didn't even want Philip involved in this to begin with. Yeah. Remember, like he didn't want Mike Prince. Mike Prince right. did not tell Scooter he was hiring Philip until he was already there. Maybe he sees like Philip, you're a man of principle, and it like requires like a certain lack of principles, or at least like a certain amount of hollowing yourself out to succeed in this world. And, and I don't want seen, that for you. I mean, we've seen Philip do something like that with Dollar Bill just a few episodes ago yeah. where he's he's willing to overlook some of the the bad things that Dollar Bill is doing. Um, and I, I do think like they did set up at the beginning of the season that Philip isn't exactly happy with the way Mike Prince has been operating things. He's really dissatisfied with the fact that like they can't really meet with Mike Prince a lot like uh, Philip and Taylor. Like they're really yeah. out on a limb here by themselves. And I, I do think they are kind of setting up something where Philip possibly will turn against Mike Prince. And maybe it is like maybe he and or Scooter are like the essential cogs that like this machine is missing to be able to to shoot at Mike Prince. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't I don't think it's when, when I'm thinking about Mike Prince throwing that computer through just Wendy's about this as well. office window, like what is it that brings him to that breaking point? Is it? scooter turning against him is it philip turning against him like what is it that gets him so heated that that is the result is that he is so angry with wendy specifically that right. he is tossing a window through her off or excuse me tossing a computer through her office window. well she she's iron man right like she's tony stark she's yeah, captain yeah. america she's whoever like she's, she's the all the best people she's the leader of the squad <laughs> like all the best characteristics of the best squad and i think like so that's why, like, you know, she's so centrally positioned in a scene like that. But I think the metaphor there potentially is Mike Prince is clearly at a horrible disadvantage at that moment in time, or at least it's being set up that way. Um, and he is picking up company property and hurling company property through company property, you know? Mm -hmm. So like, it is literally like the, the glass house that is being destroyed of his own stone throwing. Um, how much of that is representative of 
Mike is going to be the reason why the people at Mike Prince Capital rise up in, in like some measure of, oh, captain, my captain, right? Yeah. Like, what if it's possible that Wendy, you know, who is being told, like, speak the names of the people you're going to hurt and release it now. Is it not possible that Wendy won't ultimately hurt these people? And instead, everyone shall join La Resistance and rise up against Mike Prince. Uh, I think that there could be a world where it's every single person in that room is going to be a piece of Mike Prince's downfall. Mm -hmm. um, and I think like the, the metaphor there of like, the the horribly like charismatic self-declared savior secretly not to most people but secretly to himself tyrannical dictator in the making that their weakness is underestimating the per like the people that they're surrounded by by their inability to see people for who they really are uh so i hope we're kind of like heading in a direction like that and i think that this episode advanced a lot of those possible pathways yeah, it's that's certainly possible. I feel like it'd be tough to come out with everybody completely unscathed. Like there have to be certain people who they're just not going to let in on the plan for fear of it getting out. Right. Sure. The more people that are involved, the more likely it is that the beans get spilled. Um, but I do have one more question before we wrap up, because I am not as super familiar with the movie Gross Point Blank, but I know that is what Wendy was watching and like yeah. rewinding and rewatching. Is there something I should know in terms of what is that? What does that film have to do sure. with, with Wendy and, and her plans? So, so the thing, the most important thing that post show recaps listeners should know about Gross Point Blank is that we will be covering Gross Point Blank on the 30 Years Greater podcast where Rob Sesternino and I go back and watch movies from 30 years ago in 2027. The movie came out <laughs> April 11th. 1997. Uh, so, so we have to wait all that time to know. What no, huge, about. huge, huge blind spot for me. Uh, oh, that okay. I, I have not seen uh, Gross Point. I Blank. just assumed you've seen all movies because I've seen almost no, no movies. No, big, big blind spot for me. Uh, I believe it's like high school reunion uh, type of deal. Yeah, John with, Cusack is an assassin. Yeah, he's coming back to like his high school reunion and he's an assassin. So if people out there have like, okay, this is what I think would be lining up from gross point blank. This is why this would be something that we should pay attention to. Um, you let us know uh, because I don't have it. I don't have that. Yeah, the only thing me. I know is that like in the, in the meeting with Dr. Mayer, she says, oh, I've been watching things with assassins. Like, is she just yeah. trying to get into that mental headspace of like, I am an assassin. Yeah, uh, yeah, maybe. I'm take out my prince. Yeah, modern espionage, you know? Like she has yeah. to go and she has to do headshots with paintball guns. So uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll see what all that looks like. Uh, well, that is our latest headshot against Billions, Jess. We're going to continue the party next week with the Gulag Archipelago. Uh, is the next episode name. of Billions. An interesting name indeed. Make sure you're subscribed. Postshowrecaps.com slash subscribe. We'll just take you to our subscriber hub if you want to see all of the great shows that we've got going on, including the aforementioned Only Murders in the Building. Jess and I are in the process of wrapping up Community Building, which is our podcast about every single episode of Community. We've got just two more episodes left of Community, and then that's it. That's all she wrote. Uh, we'll have some fun and games on the other side of it, but Community is almost done. So many other shows that are being podcast about here on Post Show Recaps. If you want to see what we're covering, postshowrecaps.com slash subscribe is that subscriber hub. If it's just this podcast that you want to subscribe to, it's the succession feed on Post Show Recaps 
postshowrecaps.com slash billions will take you there when you search by URL in your podcast player of choice. And if you want to watch these on YouTube, postshowrecaps.com slash YouTube is the way to get that done. That's postshowrecaps.com slash YouTube. I'm at Round Howard on the internet wherever you can find me. Jess, where are you? I'm at the Jess Sterling on Twitter slash X and at the Jess Sterling 12 on threads. Amazing. All right, folks, we will be back next week with the Gulag Archipelago. Until then, Shaka!